This is College Football Weekly. College football like you've never heard it before. Now, here's Will Chambers and Tyler Walgy. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. College Football Weekly. Week 11 is upon us. Uh, I'm Will Chambers, your host, as always. And to my left, Tyler Walgy, professional veteran. Hey, how you doing, Will? I'm good, man. How, how are you? How you doing there, Will? You seem like you're in a good mood today, Tyler. Yeah, pretty good mood. You're uh, a little, little perky. Do they call 11, week 11, isn't that hockey sticks? No. Really? No, two L's are hockey sticks. Oh, H-E okay. double hockey sticks. Oh, okay. Uh, just a couple lines you in a row. You go to H-E double hockey sticks, Tyler. <laughs> it's, it's week double hockey sticks, man. No. Some teams may end up in H-E double hockey sticks. Some teams are already there, week. man. I know. Some teams are already there. Michigan uh, may be uh, clawing their way out of that mess. Seems like it. Yeah. Certainly feels like it. Yeah. Um, yeah, they got the win against Maryland. I was very happy to see that. Did you hear what Jim Harbaugh came out and said about the college football playoffs? Yeah, I read his about system? that. His system. <laughs> of course he has his own <laughs> system. I, lo- I read that same article. That is a complex, well-thought-out picture right. he sent in. It's a little bit much. Yeah, the, like, You know the- what happened is, for those who don't know, with J- Jim Harbaugh came up with his own solution to the college football playoff uh, quote-unquote problem if you think there's a problem with not enough teams. And so what he did is at his press conference, Jim Harbaugh said, hey, you know what? Instead of explaining it, I'll send you a picture. That picture has now been made public and it is detailed. It's well thought out. <laughs> this guy, what I think happened is maybe after uh, the loss to, what was their last big loss? Wisconsin, was it? No, it was Penn, well, Penn State. Penn State. Yeah. After the Penn State loss, he goes home. He's maybe just sitting in his office, can't sleep at like 2 a.m., pissed off. <laughs> how goes, this is how it in? should be. Yeah, right. this is how it should be, and well, he just he, threw it up late. Yeah, it, it definitely could be that. I think that he also – this has been on his mind for a while. He's been talking about expansion for the last few years, um, and he's had lots of ideas. And, and what I found most funny about that article, it was on ESPN, was that it was mostly just asking – you know, it was asking all the uh, 130 college football coaches if they wanted to expand from four to eight or more, if they wanted to stay at four, and – for almost all of them, it was like a couple sentences, maybe. Some of it was just like a couple words. And then Jim, Jim Harbaugh's idea took up like four paragraphs of his yeah his special system, well, which would be much more similar to the NFL. First of all, let me turn you up. I don't know. We just did a sound check just before this started. Check. This is completely check. on me. I don't sound know why check. you're so quiet right now. That's a little a little move I pulled. You like Better? that little little sneaky move I pulled? Yeah. I'm just gonna turn sneaky. you down. As I didn't you go. even notice. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't either until this now. So. But no, yeah. Jim Harbaugh's always got ideas for fixing that. He had talked, he, or he had said a couple of years ago about well, the, you're never the idea of, the of abolishing conference championships, you know, and making it so that you could add more playoff games. And obviously, all the haters immediately are like, well, of course he wants that because he can't win one. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And, and I guess... Do you really think if they if Michigan made the playoffs three out of the last four years, he would have anything to say about it? Probably not. Exactly. But, but that, that, that's how it always goes. Like, I noticed that they, of the coaches they po- that polled, they did another poll that was, should all the teams have to play the same type of schedule, meaning... Should they all have to play, you know, nine conference games or whatever? Do yeah. they all should, should there be a rule for that? And almost all the SEC coaches, like, SEC coaches, said no, because right. <laughs> of course they don't want to play another SEC team. They play eight now, and all the other coaches and all the other conferences were like, yes, pretty much. It's always the ones who just miss out who are getting screwed by the whole system that right. want to change it. That's why I begged and pleaded for years for them to change the national IQ ratings to lower it a little bit just to squeeze in a few more people. 
Maybe, just to right. make yourself exactly, feel Exactly, Will. Better. When you're on the fringe, you always need to open the door a little bit more. To, you ever taken an IQ test? <laughs> uh, that Those records remain uh, confidentially uh, sealed. Oh, of yeah, course. Yeah, exactly. Just of like- You're going to have to get a FOIA request. We are. That. It's going to be tougher to break than the president's transcripts with the- I've never taken one. <laughs> uh, mostly because I don't want to know the results, you know? <laughs> I know, right? But, I'm scared to- No, I actually haven't ever taken one. Yeah, me neither. It would be interesting that you know what we should do one day. Maybe like last show of the season, maybe an off season show. Take an like, IQ test. I mean that that may get a little dark. Yeah, are we gonna lose all of our listeners <laughs> if, if they find out we both have an IQ of sixty? Hey, if they're following the bets this year, they better know the IQ's above That's sixty. True. We've been hot this season, yes. man. Very good week last week. We're gonna get it going again this week. Before we move on though, I do want to point out a few things from that ESPN article. Yeah. We mentioned that Jim Harbaugh obviously wants to change the system. Let's post this after the show to the to uh, Twitter okay. at, at uh, CFB Weekly. Uh, is um that it's CFB Weekly, right? There's not yep. a pod at the end of there. Yep. Um. So I thought there were some other kind of interesting things from this article. They this just came down to general mass numbers, and they asked. Uh, let's see here. Based on the numbers, 61 coaches. I believe all the coaches in the Power Five conferences. Do you trust the selection committee? Of the 61 coaches who answered, six chose to not comment. Okay, so the no comment. And so there's 51 people left who said yes and four people who said no. So four coaches out of the 61 don't trust the committee. The rest essentially do. Isn't that crazy? Well, <laughs> only don't, four. You think, don't you think part of that is that they don't want to piss off the committee in case the, in case it comes down to them in, I, in, in future years? I actually do think that for a couple reasons. One is these votes were made public. Right. The, the four coaches who voted no, Willie Taggart, Jim Harbaugh, <laughs> well, not a coach Mike Leach, and Gary Patterson. Interesting. Right? So those four coaches uh, kind of have something in common. But, Will, this is even more interesting, okay? So I think everyone's just terrified of the committee because 51 of 61 people said they're fine with the system. Yet, when they were asked, do you understand how the teams are chosen? Only 35 said yes, 21 said no. Well, of course, because that's subjective. It's been different like like from year to year. But I would figure that if it's not understandable, right? If someone says... Well, you there's no get, set you rules. You can get into this call, right? You can get into this college. You can have this job if you, if you, uh, and someone say, okay, well, how do I get the job? Well, some people got in based on this, some people, and you don't know. It's a moving right. target, right? You're, you're by nature. I think most people will dislike the process or not trust the process because they don't know how to get in. So I thought it was interesting that. Oh, we all trust it. We all trust it. Well, do you know how it works? No, we don't really get how it works or what we have to do to get in, but we trust them. I just think it's like the mafia, the modern day mafia of sports. It is kind the of is. Playoff committee. It's right? like a bunch of uh, you know big wigs that meet in a giant you know a, a, a big fancy meeting room and then decide the fortunes of you know a bunch of athletes and coaches and teams. But look, the easiest solution in this all the whole article pretty much revolves around the idea of expanding to eight teams, mm -hmm. and that's the easiest solution because yeah, sure, there's going to be you know the ninth ranked team at, after the you know, the, the 18 playoff comes out is obviously going to be pissed, but how many times is, I mean, is there even a realistic chance that one out of 30 years of an 18 playoff, you'd see an eight seed win it? I no, don't no, think no. so. Yeah. And, and, and so it would, it would just shut everybody up because at least then, okay, they get in, you're in the eight, you know, if you win your division, you get in it. I feel like it would just shut up most of the detractors immediately. Well, and that's the worst argument. Well, if you put in eight teams, what about the ninth? It's like, well, if you go to right. 16, are you going to say, what about the 17th team? Well, so obviously you are because like the, <laughs> the basketball conference or the basketball tournament, <laughs> the, first four, the first four out are always whining, right? Yeah, because they're the 68th right. best team in the and nation yet, or whatever The 16th it is. <laughs> seed has never won it and never will. Yeah. And so, 
Yeah, but it would at least just shut up. Like the 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 easiest arguments for the eight team playoff is just the guys that say if you win your if you're in the power five and you win your conference you should get in i agree with that i think that would be perfect because then that would just shut everybody up and then they can fight over who the three at large bids are or whatever you know if you give it to a power five team or if you just give it to whoever's hot and that's fine but even still most likely a group in the a team in the top four of those playoff rankings is going to win it almost 100% of the time well, anyway. There was a really interesting take. I forget which coach said it, but they said the idea is to not miss the best team. They said that the idea is to make sure you get the best team in there, right. and then the committee's job should be getting filling in the other best three teams around it right now with the system as is. So Yeah. Um, and then one more thing. I, I know I'm going totally off your notes here. You send it, you work matter. on your outline, you send the notes, and I just, I just How go. How dare you go off exactly. script, we're, we're doing the Kramer no, open highway here. Um, did you see Dan Mullen's wife making out with okay, every Okay, that player? was on my list. <laughs> okay. That was on my list. Okay. okay, so if you haven't seen it, Dan Mullen, Florida coach, he, I, I believe, I don't know if this is after the game or before. I think it's before. But his wife, all the players like line up. I think it's when they're getting off the bus. Yep, yep. And she like full on kisses them on the lips, and some like the photos of this, Tyler. Like, look, I get it. There's not really anything wrong with this, but ask me how I feel about it, Tyler. Right now, how do you feel about it, Will? <laughs> I don't like it. It's weird. It was so weird. How does to Dan see. Mullen feel about this? How would you feel if your wife was kissing like? I mean, how many players are on a team? Eighty around there we'll all say. really in shape athletic young better looking dudes than dan mullen and she's just really yeah. i mean and it's not like a little peck maybe it is but like these photos she's like she's wrapping her arms around them it looks intimate it she she it has her weird, hands on man. their neck yes it's 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 really yeah it's weird i know it's i know really weird and the players don't seem to mind it I'm but, sure some of them do. Well, some of them are probably like, love I'm sure it. some of them are into it. Exactly. <laughs> They're into it. I mean, she's a pretty woman. But people are freaking out, like on social media. Rightfully so. People are not liking this at all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I think rightfully so. It's weird. I don't know how you can get away with something like that today, where, where everyone is so heightened with that stuff. Why would you even do that? Well, the funny thing is that uh, Tom Herman, this would have been two Hermie. or two or three years. Hermie wants a football. Two or three years ago now, when he was still coach at Houston, it was his last year at Houston. I remember watching it. I think it was when Houston played Oklahoma. It was a big game because it was nationally televised. And before the game, Herman was hugging and kissing all of his players. Like, like oh, I'm not joking. And so, look, I get it. Like, it, ultimately, it's probably like a, a, a really good, you know, it probably bodes well for the team feeling like a family and feeling like, oh, these, these coaches trust me oh, and they, they actually love me. But it's weird. <laughs> it it's is. it's really bizarre. And I don't know how I feel about it. And, like, the Herman thing is one thing Hermie. because my guess is that Herman isn't, you know, he's a married man. My, I, I don't We don't know about his preferences. My guess is he's not attracted to all of his players. But Dan Mullen's wife... I don't know, man. It's it's uh, it just made me kind of cringe. It's definitely cringeworthy. I think that's our lead cringeworthy thing of the week. Buh. Yeah, but things that make you go, boo. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> if it was, if I was Dan Mullen, I'd I'd set my wife up with a cushy box seat, you- <laughs> all the food and drinks she needs, and I'd say, you just, you know, I'll coach the players, I'll show them love and affection, and. You watch the game and support me and try not to make out with all these young buff dudes. When you talked about Tom Herman, Hermie wants a kiss. You know what that's from? No. Hermie wants a... No, it's from, uh, it's from like that... Oh, God. It's from... Uh, 
Oh come on! It's it's like the uh, Ru- Rudolph, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. It's like the original Rudolph Hermie. You remember Hermie's like the, he wants to. He's Herm- an elf. You want to be a dentist? Remember that guy Hermie? No. See, we're doing. I'm a mov- afraid that no we're one doing knows a movie. what you're talking about. Oh, I think about, a lot of people out there are nodding their heads. Right <laughs> that's, right that's what his voice Everyone's sounds like. like. Who is this guy? I bet most of our audience, who's over 30 years old, which I don't know how many of them are there. Uh, no, no, that reference. But you know, the thing is, I'm the one who doesn't watch movies. We got a movie review coming up yeah. today. Yeah, so stay tuned our, for that. We're doing our movie first review. First one. First for one of the one year. of the great movies that Tyler exactly. had never seen. Rudolph is a classic, though. It's a family classic, Will. Yeah, like, I've, I've seen Army it. Army wants just, to be uh, a dentist. Oh, you got to just stop saying it. You've said it like five times now. It's creeping me out. This is almost as creepy as Dan Mullen's wife kissing all the Well, players. I think that's crossing a bit of a line, but yeah. <laughs> well, the good news is, you know, look, it's we've been through 10 weeks of football now. The football season is dwining. We're running out of out of games to watch, which is sad. But now at this time of year is when Maction kicks in. There's college football on tonight. This we're recording on Tuesday. With the way the Mac wor- works it out is that starting, uh, I believe it started on last Saturday. I think we get thirty plus straight days of football every single day because the Mac plays games on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, and then of course there's already games Thursdays, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Yes, golf clap, I guess, for the Mac. Yeah, some, some Mac action, football. dude. I mean, I'm not saying it's <laughs> – no, it's not Alabama LSU, but uh, if you're like us, you just want to watch college football, it's on. And uh, some of those Mac games can be entertaining. So football every day for the next month. You know what they That's should – That's a big deal. Uh, first of all, leading the Mac right now, Navy's first in the uh, West and um, – Navy's in the MAC? Oh, goodness gracious. Are you no. looking at the American? Yeah, that's. I don't know why that popped no, up. The, Ohio's the first in the yeah. East. Ball State's first in the West right now. Yep. Boy, things are heating up in the MAC. MACTION, baby. May as well call it the Big MAC. MACTION. Mm-hmm. My sister uh, goes to a MAC school oh. in Miami of Ohio. Go Red Hawks. Shout out to the Red Hawks. Yeah. They're not doing too bad this year. What's their record? They are four and four. Yeah, hey. that's not bad. Three and one in conference, though. And if they still have a matchup with Ohio, which they do, coming up in a few. Oh, this week, Inter- tomorrow, in-state rivalry. Tomorrow, will why Miami, are we not Ohio betting this? Taking about spread? the Ohio Bobcats. Why aren't we betting this game? Winners in the driver's seat to uh, win the uh, MAC East. Let's Let me go, Red Hawks. Oh. Down with the Bobcats. Down with the with the <laughs> Ohio Bobcats. You got a cap for that game today? Oh, big time. <laughs> that's that's my best cap. No, I haven't thought about it at all. But you know what? Blind bet right now. I don't know what the line is. Take Miami of Ohio. Uh, Miami, Ohio is seven-point underdogs on the road. Love it. Give me those <laughs> points, Red Hawks. Let's go. Cash yeah. it. Yeah. No, uh, but it's good. It's good. We got football to watch every day. Yeah. College basketball starting. It's a great time of year. Absolutely, man. And uh, last week was not that many big games, but got a few things ironed out yeah it wasn't the best weekend like uh there were so many big games that were on by uh, or big teams that were on by yeah uh it was kind of crazy ohio state didn't play alabama didn't play lsu didn't play penn state didn't play there were a, a bunch of top teams that that had a bye week so it was kind of a goofy one but there were some big games uh georgia florida probably being the biggest right yeah and uh i mean you talk about look georgia actually kind of came out and looked pretty they look really good. They did to start that thing off. And I know we talked last week about Florida, the advancements they've made, but everyone stopped talking about Georgia all season. It right. seemed like they well, just... Got, they, once they lost to South Carolina, yeah. it was like, okay, are they actually good? And maybe it was just a matter of they weren't getting up for big games because they didn't have any. And finally, we get to see them against a, a good team, a, a really a, a Florida team that is good. Yeah. I was down on them early in the year, but the first half was really entertaining. It was close in the first half. I think it was... 
13 to three or something like that after the first half, but it was still, it seemed like a close game. What it just felt like to me is that Georgia just had the better players, the better talent on the field and just, they were able to make big plays where Florida couldn't. Yeah, definitely. I think the coaching staff eventually was able to kind of pull away from Florida's coaching staff. And Georgia just, if you watch the way they play, it seems like they're one level above where Florida was. Just one notch yeah. ahead, one step ahead, a little faster, a little stronger. Florida's good. They're getting better. Like you said, you know, they've risen in your power rankings for the season. But Georgia still deserves to be in that elite conversation, and they proved it last weekend. That was a big win for them. Yeah, for sure. And they covered, too. Um, Cover the spread. Yep. So that's big. 24-17 is the final score there. Oregon still uh, kind of same thing as Georgia, hoping to have a chance to make the playoffs still. They go on the road to USC, blow them out, blow up my uh, teaser I had. I'm very upset with the Trojans. Thought they could do better. Uh, they scored 28 points in the second half, 56-24. to how do you feel about Oregon? You think they still have a, sh- a shot? Yeah, to make that, the that was, remember last week that was one of my better bets. Was Oregon goes into USC yeah. and, and and blows them out? I I like Oregon. I mean, I think since that loss against uh, Auburn the first week of the season, which they should have arguably won, it's all about motivation for Oregon. I mean, the one game you can take out of the season and say motivation wasn't a factor, they didn't play that well, is the Washington State game a few weeks ago. But they always struggle against Washington State. I think Oregon. Is as long as this defense doesn't come out flat like they did against USC and plays up to their capability, if they get into the playoffs, I mean, I think they've got as much a chance as anybody. I know that's weird to say because we've seen all these teams who we perceive to be on on another level: Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, obviously LSU. We can maybe throw Penn State in that category. The, the fringe teams. Oregon has now shown that, yes, they're playing in the Pac-12. Yes, these caliber of teams are not as good, but, Will, I think that because of this defense, no one's talking about... Yeah. We all know Oregon to have the great offense and come out. Justin Herbert has great potential. Their receivers are, are NFL guys. Their line's very good. Their offensive line's great. Yes, they are. But this defense, when they play... And you could just see it on the field. How often do you say against a USC Trojans team, wow, that defense just looks big, looks yeah. more physical, looks different. I remember... For, for, for the new listeners, I'm a University of Colorado Buffaloes fan, and for years there, I mean, obviously, because CU doesn't get a lot of great recruits, you could see before the game started, right? I remember right. when CU was back in the uh, Big 12 and we played uh, Texas. Right. I'm sitting at, at the game before going, we didn't even look like them. Yeah. This is so different. That's what Oregon looks like with a lot of these teams. They're built to be a, a contender. I think they have a lot of NFL guys on defense for a change. And Jim Levitt, their defensive coordinator or excuse me, Andy Avalos, they're looking better and better on defense. And although, if we had to pick a game right now, if it's Auburn-Oregon, LSU-Oregon, Ohio State-Oregon, I'm still not taking Oregon, but they've shown me enough to where they belong in the discussion just as much as Oklahoma, right? Though These oh, two yeah. one-loss teams, I don't think that, that based on brand, even though the committee will do this, I don't think Oklahoma deserves to be above them. I don't think any other one-loss team deserves to be necessarily that much above Oregon. They've shown... To me so far, they're a very, very good football team, if not great. Yeah, I think Oregon could beat Oklahoma, honestly. I mean, uh, we'll see how Oklahoma finishes out the rest of the year, but after that loss to Kansas State, you know, that was pretty disappointing. Yeah. Uh, Oregon's good, and I I think it'll take a lot. They're going to need some help to make the playoff. uh, Unfortunately for them, I think that it's kind of the same thing for Oklahoma. They're hoping that if whoever loses the Alabama-LSU game loses another because I think that the loser of that game probably still gets in. Well, what's weird is, I mean, 
uh, Georgia is in the West. Right. No, right? Or is Georgia in the East? East, sorry, uh, East. In yep. SEC East. And they're in the driver's seat after beating Florida. And Alabama and LSU are both in the West, if yes. I'm correct? Yes, and Auburn as well. So the winner kind of, the of this team. week's game. Al- so, I mean, what about Georgia still getting in? Because Georgia has the one oh, loss. Oh, yeah, Georgia still can. They just have to win the SEC. So that's so the, the thing. There's a lot the of these SEC teams Oregon. that are kind of floating around the conversation. Oregon now with one loss. We've got Oklahoma with one loss. Penn State and Minnesota play this week, both undefeated. Right. I mean, Penn State still got an opportunity. Exactly. Minnesota still has an opportunity. Will (laughs) we'll we'll see? We'll see. I mean, I like Minnesota. Don't get me wrong, but they. I don't think they're on the same level as Penn State and Ohio State yet when it comes to the Big Ten. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it's most people are kind of already penciling in the teams, and I think that we could see that change. All it would take would be Penn State beats Ohio State, or you know, maybe Alabama beats LSU but then Auburn beats Alabama who knows yeah. uh, it, it, there's there's things that can play out and then you look at Oregon the Pac-12 by the way they're not the only team in the Pac-12 that might have a shot Utah the next game I was going to talk about they go in to Seattle beat Washington on the road they look really good in the second half uh, they're they're eight and one and they're it's, it's going to end up being Oregon versus Utah in the Pac-12 championship now and if the winner of that only has one loss and we see some chaos elsewhere in the country, there's still a chance for the Pac-12. I think there's definitely a chance, but really when you think about it, this goes back to the article that we were talking about earlier, the ESPN article. Mike Leach's point on there, what Mike Leach said is, no one in the Pac-12 gets any respect. (laughs) Get no respect. It's clear that these guys voting... It's very regional, right? It's so funny. Folks, it's, it's public. Go look at the last five Heisman votes, and it's almost laughable Who's voting for who in what region? It's just right. like you can almost assume most people aren't staying up to watch the Pac-12 exactly. games. Exactly, they're on, voting on for the their, East Coast, yeah, they're, and they're voting for their guys. They're, it's all political. The same thing happens when you're voting for teams to get in. A lot for of sure. These, uh, and the committee. I mean, I don't think the committee necessarily gives the Pac-12 the same respect. Now, yeah, but on the other side, the exactly. Respect? I mean, the Pac-12 hasn't helped themselves in recent years. Uh, I, I think that that team with Stanford that beat Iowa in the Rose Bowl. That team should have made the playoff instead of, I think it was Michigan State that made it over them that year. But it's just crazy how perception and preseason perception plays a huge role in this. Yeah. Oregon, I mean, essentially what's that? what that's saying is if you're in the Pac-12, which is still a Power 5 conference, you have to go undefeated. That's what they said about UCF. That's what they right. said about Boise State. So it's kind of... It's kind of bullshit that it's like well, hey, you're 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 in the Pac-12. You're still a big uh, 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 Power Five school, and it's this little political thing to where if no one goes undefeated, you really don't stand a chance. We're yeah. gonna tell you, you have a chance. We're gonna pretend like you have a chance. It's not quite the same as the Power Five though, because UCF can go undefeated and still not make it, and we've seen that. I, if Oregon or Utah is undefeated here and and they go undefeated the whole way, I think they're probably getting in over over a one loss yeah. Oklahoma or whatever, and so. Yeah, you're probably but you're right. right. But, but but I think that Oregon and Utah, despite having one loss, despite probably still making it in the conversation, I don't think that each realistically stands a good chance in the eyes of the committee right now. Yeah. I would I would put them in the conversation. I you may, but I don't think the committee. No, I do. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think they have much much of a shot. Like I said, they're going to need help. But you know, once again, man, just go to eight teams, and then all these problems are solved. Solves it all. Um, let's see. Maybe the most exciting game of the whole weekend. SMU faced Memphis. Uh, SMU was undefeated going into this game, and they were ranked 15th. They get, this was a crazy game, 54 to 48. Memphis gets the win. SMU Shane Bouchel, who was the the Texas transfer, he had a great game. Memphis played out of their mind. This game, uh, 102 points total. I don't know uh, how much of it you saw. I I missed about uh, 
probably the first half. Uh, I was in Austin doing some other things, but man, this game was awesome. And honestly, it was the most exciting game of the whole weekend, I think. Yeah, I didn't catch too much of it, but I mean, SMU undefeated. It's always exciting to watch those teams and how they're going to do week by week. And yeah, they couldn't pull it off. So tough for SMU. No big bowl game for them. And you know, schools like that, one loss and you're just plummeting down the rankings. So. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I yeah. think they'll still be top 25, but they can't, Probably, lo- can't but, lose another one. Yeah. Um, but that was a big one for the American, uh, for the AAC. Um, so I think Memphis kind of now is in the driver's seat for that division. Uh, Notre Dame came down to the wire against Virginia Tech. It's interesting. I saw a stat about Notre Dame uh, heading into this game, and it's that in November over the last like five or six years, they've been a really bad team as far as covering. They were 17-point favorites against Virginia Tech, and they scored with a minute left in order to win by one point. Yeah, that was crazy. I mean, they looked flat. They came out dead. Yeah. But that's a good – That's a. I didn't know that about November. And, and the reason why you want to split months up is because, obviously, early in the year you get a lot of non, a lot of those – now, it's different for Notre Dame because they mix things up. So I guess this necessarily wouldn't work. Most coaches, it's like you're, you're beefing up the early part of the schedule. November's where you have a lot of the meat and potato games. Right. Yeah, I mean, we'd no, have to go back and see down. who Notre Dame played in November because I mean, typically they play a tough schedule. But the interesting thing is that it didn't really matter if they were if it was a better year, like the year they went to the national championship or, or to the playoff recently uh, last year, or the years where they were doing bad and they and they only won four games. I think that was a few years. They still weren't good against the spread but in that's, November. That, that's my point: is the against the spread is the expectation. Right. It's synonymous. We we may as well say, all right, the market's expectation is. You know Alabama to win by six points because they're right. six point favorites. So the fact that they're still underperforming against the spread means they're that whether they're twenty seven point favorites or two point favorites, they're still not hitting expectations. So that's a big deal for Notre Dame. Yeah, for sure. That's a mark against Brian Kelly. Disappointing that's, year. There's for no them. luck of the Irish in two uh, loss. November, and, and it's tough for them too because since they're not in a conference, once they get that second loss, you know they have nothing to look forward to. It's got to be hard to motivate those guys. A lot of people are now kind of saying I've even heard a little bit of chatter about fire Brian Kelly or maybe he'll move on to the NFL he's always kind of been rumored with NFL jobs uh he's one of those schools that people have talked about if if Brian Kelly leaves you could see Urban Meyer maybe potentially taking a job there it's really interesting to see and uh they're such a premier program Man, I just wish they would join a conference. I hate that they don't have a conference game. It's it's just, I mean, again, how often have we talked about this this season? It's just college football, man. It's right. bizarre, you know? You yeah. There's different rules for different teams. It's the moving target to make the playoffs. You can go undefeated and not win the ship. Right. Oh, well, what are we going to do with this sport? Talk about it some more? Uh, another, yes, we're always going to talk about <laughs> it, Tyler. Um, another disappointing team another disappointing season but, but i'm sorry i'm sorry to kind of walk over that point but it's it's true and it's it's bizarre that still we're this far in notre dame can't they just squeeze notre dame into conference acc big 10 there's what now 14 or 16 teams in the big 10 uh there are 12 teams in the big 10 is that it yes there i thought there were are, more than there that. Are, maybe there's 14 in the sec no the sec i think it's just 12 in the sec 12 in the big 10 and then are you sure about this i'm almost positive you want to look this yeah, up yeah let me let me double check this i'm pretty sure the big the big 10 has because i know the big 12 has 10 teams and the big 10 has 12 teams that's kind of how i always remembered it <laughs> of course um, the pac 12 i think has yeah sec's got 14 f- oh really yeah okay all right so sec is the one with 14 but i know the big the big 10 is just 12 you should double check that i'm pretty sure it's just 12 in the big 10 14. Oh, man. <laughs> well, you know, you know what that is? It's that I don't consider Rutgers, 
you know, a, a member. Or Nebraska. So yeah. you're right. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> what I was going to say. The next disappointing team, Nebraska. Preseason hype. Some people were saying they were going to win the Big Ten West. Some people oh, on this God. podcast won't be named. Uh, I might have been a little high on them. They're four and five. They lost to Purdue. They're two and four in the Big Ten. Look, I feel like people are piling on Scott Frost and saying, oh, he's not. He's not a great coach. He's a fraud. I think that he was kind of a victim of the hype machine, you know, and I definitely had something to do with that. But this was a team that was 4-8 and eight last year, and the year before he showed up, I think they were 4-8 and eight as well. I mean, they were, it was a terrible program he took yeah, they over. They don't have very good recruits. Yeah, it's hard to recruit to Lincoln, Nebraska. There's nothing to do there. It's in the middle of the country. He, he had better talent at UCF maybe than he'll ever have in Nebraska. You I think, wonder that. Do you think he's getting served a little uh, slice of reality pie, though? That it's not. I mean, I think. Well, that no, I don't think. I I think because there was stuff during the preseason when people were talking about him, about Nebraska being a favorite in the Big Ten West. He was coming out and saying, "Uh, I'll, I'll be happy if we go six and six. That's that a was smart a smart coach. That was That's a quote a from smart him. man, right? So there. I don't think that this is like reality pie for him. It might you know uh, they might be six and six might be exactly where they end up. You know they're four and five now. They they could win. Uh, two out of their last three. You know, it's, it's certainly possible. Look, I think Scott Frost is a smart guy. I think he knew what to say to the media, but I have a hard right. time believing he told ESPN, yeah, we'll go six and six. And then he goes in the locker room and says that same thing to those guys. I don't know. He almost strikes me as the type of guy who's <laughs> like, hey, guys, don't buy the hype. Hey. Six and six is where I think you guys are at, so let's work harder. Hey, coach, how are we going to do today? Uh, no, 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 you go ahead. I got to get my thoughts together. No, I don't know. We're not going to do very well. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I like him. I, I really do think he'll do well there, but. Uh, it's going to be tough to compete in the Big Ten overall. Maybe not so much in the West. I think he'll be able to find success. Yeah, in you're the West. definitely in the West. A little bit more of uh, an an escape yeah. route than uh, yeah, no doubt. Uh, last game I had here to talk about Miami, Florida State. Miami beats Florida State twenty-seven to ten, and Tyler Willie Taggart. They tagged him. He's canned. He's tagged. He's out. Hey. I saw so the it's it's pretty <laughs> it's tough because they they got booster money to buy out the remainder of his contract which I think was right around 20 million. So they they just went around to all the rich seminal <laughs> boosters and said, "Hey, you got 3 million? Who's who's got some who's money? Chipping in? Who's shipping in to buy out of his contract?" Willie Willie And they all were like, "Well, we hate him, so here's the money." They bought out his whole contract, but it's even more than that because when Florida State hired him away from Oregon, they paid the buyout at Oregon, oh which also included a buyout at his previous school, USF. So all in total, they ended up Florida State ended up spending thirty million dollars on Willie Taggart, all for a year and a half of him being very bad. How many wins is that? How many million per win does that break down to? I think he only won thirteen games through you know a little less than two seasons. So thirty million, not a lot. Yeah, I mean <laughs> it doesn't doesn't work out <laughs> well at all. Two and a half, three million per game, and it's fun. I love. Finally, that we see the first domino of the big of the big coach, you know, big schools of their coaches getting fired. Because now, you know, we've heard about coaching rumors all year, and now they're really swirling. I saw just today there was a report: Hey, Bob Stoops is you know close to coming to contract terms. And then Kirk Herbstreit tweeted out: Hey, I just talked to Bob Stoops. He says that's bullshit. Who knows <laughs> what the truth is in there? Maybe he's being considered. Maybe not. You know, he has a job. With the XFL, that's a very important gig, obviously. Of course it is, yeah. <laughs> Don't want to lose that. But some of the names that are being thrown around, uh, one of the names that I saw as being a potential candidate was P.J. Fleck at Minnesota, and then later today, yeah. he comes to a contract extension with Minnesota, so clearly Minnesota said... How weird is that? Well, I think that Minnesota said, uh-oh, maybe he'd actually take this Florida State job. Let's throw some money at him, keep him here. So he got a new seven-year deal and that increases his buyout to 
one million per year of how many years is left on his contract. So if Florida State wanted to get him, they'd have to pay seven million right now to buy him out of his deal. I don't I don't think he's gonna go there, but that's still Florida State is still a school that will have coaches interested and I wonder like who would be your who 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 do you think is the most realistic option that Florida State can get? Can they get Urban Meyer? Can they get Bob Stoops? Yeah, I think they could get both of them. I think both those guys are smart enough to know well, they're they're both football smarter than me, uh, you know, in terms of X's and O's. But, obviously, but yeah, obviously they've forgotten more than I know. But in terms of recruiting, those guys are well aware that in Florida, that's where the hotbed of all this talent comes right. from. If you can get down there and find some players, you're going to get good really quickly. I think it's also a factor. We can't ignore the fact that Bob Stoops, he's now back in coaching really soon after being after volunteering to leave at OU, right. I start questioning how much of that was Bob Stoops and how much did he just see the writing on the wall. Great young head coach behind him. Yeah, it was a weird, it, it, it was, was awkward it was timing when he quit. Some people, I know a lot of people think that maybe uh, there was bad things happening there and he didn't want you know the uh, the ax to fall on his head. And other people think that Lincoln Riley was, was willing to take jobs there and or was willing to take a job somewhere else, and they just said, hey, uh, we're going to push you out right. so we can keep Lincoln. Yeah, and, and that very well could have happened. But it, it, it's I think that he didn't volunteer to go, and then a year later he's like, I want to really get back into coaching. I'm going to go join the XFL. Right. I think that he loves coaching, and he wants to get back into it. So, And the same thing with Urban Meyer. He said he wants to spend more time with his family, and a week later he's in Los Angeles on Fox every weekend. Right, of As far course. as I'm concerned, his family doesn't live in L.A. right now. That's what all the reports are saying. So he's no. not spending any more time with his family. These guys want to coach. They want to get back. So because they're recruiting and because they want to get back, I say yes for those two reasons. And here's the third. I think it's, it's a possibility for those guys. They left situations where they really didn't have that much control, and they felt maybe forced out, maybe like they had to go, Urban Meyer, you know, I think there was the same kind of thing. Now, Ryan Day didn't have the same credentials that Lincoln Riley had, but it, it was weird. I think both le- both guys leaving were weird. What's going on right now at Florida State? Perennial program. They expect to win, yet they are in the dumps right now. Whoever goes there is going to be able to take a team who's expected to be a national championship contender right. and flip that team in a couple years. It, it's so different than going to a Kansas like Les Miles or any any other school, right? It's Florida State, you can get that turned around. You're going to have the boosters on your side quickly because they know they can win and they want to win, and guys like Stoops and Meyer can go there and win quickly. So I think it's appealing because they can be the savior. How, how appealing would that be to Bob Stoops? He was forced out of Oklahoma if he can now play the exact opposite role and be the one who everyone's cheering and celebrating. Hey, it's Bob Stoops. We're going to throw you a parade, a party, right. throwing incentives for the contract, so on and so forth. I think these guys would definitely go back, and I think Florida State would be doing themselves a disservice if they didn't wring the washcloth and make sure they couldn't get anyone who's a high-profile coach for sure. before trying to get even a P.J. Fleck or... Uh, uh, the guy at Iowa State, uh, Matt Campbell. Matt Campbell. Yeah, he's definitely been, you know, kind of put on those lists. Yeah. As far as who to get, I think that Bob Stoops is realistic. I don't think Urban is very, very realistic. First of all, I don't think Urban would go back to a Florida school and coach against. Oh, it's a good point. Florida yeah, every that's year. a good point. Same reason why he wouldn't take another job in the Big Ten and coach against Ohio State. I think he does kind of hold those teams fondly. Uh, you know, in his heart, so to speak, if he has one. Uh, I don't know um, if he has a heart. Uh, and uh, and I think that like there's been 
it seems like every week we're seeing stuff that basically urban to USC once they fire Clay Helton is almost, is already a done deal. I don't know how much truth there is to that. A lot of those sources aren't coming from, you know, they're not coming from the Adam Sheffers of the world, the guys where once they say it, you know it's true. Right. But there has been a, uh, there's, where there's smoke, there's usually fire. There's been a lot of smoke about urban to USC. And so that's interesting to me. But I think Florida State will get someone good. And especially when you look at how the ACC shakes, uh, uh, the ACC, you know, how it, is this year they don't have it, it's really just can you get to the ac championship against clemson or can you just compete that's your only real yeah, competition like the goal. there yeah. yeah for sure i mean miami's really not i know miami beat them on saturday but miami shouldn't be competition i think forest state is still a better program they've been better in recent years i think that they can't they, there's a, a better overall program for everything as far as recruiting and the stadium and the school and all that. And so I think all for Florida State, they really just need a solid coach who can – look, the Florida State team is already super talented. They're just not disciplined. They don't know what they're doing. You watch them play, right. and it's they can be really great for a quarter, and the next quarter they look terrible. So give them a good coach. I think they'll be back and be really good again. So I'm interested to see who, who goes there. Yeah, me too. The, I, I see a quick turnaround for Florida State. Great program. I think they start winning almost immediately if they get the right guy. Yeah. I just saw, by the way, I just went to ESPN, and I just saw that uh, Indiana announced that their starting quarterback, Michael Penix Jr., season-ending surgery. That's a huge disappointment for them. He's been Indiana. great. Uh, they do have a good backup in Peyton Ramsey, who was the starting quarterback there for the previous couple of years. But Michael Penix was doing a great job. He was mobile. Gave them a new kind of wrinkle. They're doing really well this year, by the way. Um, Indiana already bowl eligible. They haven't. They hadn't been bowl eligible in a while. They, I don't think they've won more than six games in like thirty years. They're already seven and two and four and two in the Big Ten, and they got some winnable games left on their schedule. So that sucks for them. Uh, <laughs> Was that the face you made over there? What? You made a face like you were surprised like a few minutes ago. Yes, yeah. Okay, I, was I was afraid like, wow. you like lost the. No, no. I, I saw it, and, and uh, because honestly, that Indiana game is in two weeks for Michigan, and I and that's Indiana's played Michigan so tough the last few years. It, it's like a trap game. So when I saw that, I was like, uh oh. Well, there you go. You know that's. But I look at what he had. He had to repair an injury to his sternoclavicular joint. Well, of course he did. It's where the collarbone meets the sternum. If Hate you didn't when that know happens. that, but uh, who didn't know that, Will? I know, the smartest yeah. Listeners no, in I knew all that. The land. I knew all about the sternoclavicular joint. Mm -hmm. uh, now, tough for Indiana, though. And the last thing I had here on my notes for this week, Tyler. Good news for you, for all Colorado Buff fans. Five-star defensive yeah. end, yeah, number one overall player from the 2019 class who had already committed to Alabama, Antonio Alfano transfers from Bama to Colorado. How crazy is that? I think that. I'm, what I'm guessing is Mel Tucker yeah. recruited him initially, and then I don't really know what the reason why he transferred out, out, out of Alabama. There's really not a lot of information on that. I know that Nick Saban said he hopes that he'll come back to the team and he's leaving the door open, but when was the last time you think CU's had a five-star guy? It was... I'm a five-star man. It was... Levinsky Chenault was a four-star. Okay. Yeah, and he plays like a five-star now. But even still, this is huge for them. They, I, I don't think they've probably ever had a number one overall recruit go to Colorado. Maybe they had one in the 90s uh, during the top of my the, head. The I can't, yeah, days. maybe maybe back then, early 2000s, but no, not in a very, very long time. That, that's awesome news, man. Yeah, it's a good deal I was for doing backflips when I read that one today. Yeah, I saw you do it. Uh, Little-known fact about professional better Tyler Walgie, 
Also a gymnast. Yeah, front flips, Looks back flips. Great in a leotard. Side flips. Oh, I yeah. looked amazing in that leotard. Mm-hmm. Can't get me out of it. Tumbles, all mm-hmm. that stuff. Mm-hmm. Handstands. You're really good. <laughs> uh, that's all I got for week 10. Yep. And today, so the reason why I went to ESPN just now, so tonight is when they announced the very first college football playoff rankings. That is tonight. We are recording Tuesday night, by the way. Yes. And I don't think they're out yet. I I always hate the show, like the pageantry around it. They, they, they make... The announcement of the rankings take like an hour and, you know, Kirk Herbstreit and Chris Fowler and all these guys sit and debate and it's like, can't you just, <laughs> just show it? It could be and a five minute show, right, right? but instead what they do is they go, all right, here's number seven just and here's number six. Just give us the just rankings. Want those advertising dollars, man. So greedy, we're going to go ahead and do you guys bastards. a favor. We're going to give you the college football playoff rankings according to Tyler and Will. Oh, okay. Hey-o. And I think that there's a good chance you and I have the same one. So I actually ranked one through nine. But obviously, one through four or five is the most important one. So now, I want to I want to know how, how you did this. But is this my what I would have for the top four, or is this what I think the committee will have for the top four? Because those are two very distinctly different. Yeah. Things. So I I picked mine based on where I think the committee did it. That's what I think we should yeah. do. Is try and pick where the committee yeah. has them tonight. Okay. And we'll see who's right. You want to so. go first, or should I go first? You go. Well, let's do it like the stupid TV show. Give me your uh, your number. Do you have one through five at least? Let's send it back upstairs to uh, Will Chambers. <laughs> Will, uh, we noticed you're eating a ham sandwich up there. Tell us about that. Oh, ham and Swiss. Got it on some delicious rye bread here. And they do the zoom in, have you take a bite. Yeah. Yeah. Really delicious. Okay. Um, my number five, just barely missing the cut. You did a five. Yeah, because you got to know who mi- who misses the cut, Tyler. Come on, yeah, that's okay. this is riveting stuff. We want my five we want people then. viewing our TV show here <laughs> on ESPN. Number five, Penn State, just barely missing the cut. They are undefeated. They're having a great year. I don't like James Franklin, but Penn State's been very impressive this year. Their defense is incredible. They're undefeated. They got wins against Michigan, Michigan State. They beat Iowa. They beat Pitt. Number five, Penn State. Is this now or at the end of the year? This is right tonight? now. Oh God. Yeah, this is where the ranking. How do you think they'll rank them right now? I think Penn. I think they'll rank Penn State five. They'll be the first team out. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna need you to come in on Saturday. Yeah. Um, I'm not gonna disagree with you there. We'll go Nittany Lions number okay. five. Okay, my number four team, defending champs, the Clemson Tigers, number four. I think the committee goes Ohio State number four. Oh no way! I really believe no. The committee you're goes so Ohio wrong. State four. We're gonna fight about this, you're uh, right. dude. Look how how you, could, how you could heard you... me say I would have Ohio State number one. It's why, but how, how even the argument? Because, how does the committee rank them fourth? Because I believe the committee, and, and there's a lot of people out there who may argue, but I truly, truly, to my soul, believe the committee plays into the TV show aspect of this. They all understand this is on ESPN, and they all are very aware. Of the fact that these meanings mean these rankings in week one mean dog shit, or even what week we, ten they mean exactly, dog shit. Yeah. exactly. What we've seen in the last couple of years is week one looks nothing like the end because the committee likes to fuck with things. They like to they like to create storylines and to create, and that's why I think Alabama and LSU are going to be one and two. It, they know they're playing this weekend. The committee knows they have a scot free chance to put Bama one two, create a big matchup this weekend. One's going to lose. They're 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 but off. they're one and two in the AP. So but can't you but do they're that? off the hook. What do you uh, mean? But you're right. I guess once the playoff rankings come out, those are the rankings we see on Exa- TV. Exactly. So so tonight, I think the committee goes. Well, and you can fill in the blanks based on Obviously. third. I think that the number four team is Ohio State, and because again, the committee knows the Ohio but won't State's going to end up at number one. Yeah, but, but won't they? The, right now, the the, uh, the committee could easily. I think that 
you're right for assuming that they would. I think I like that idea that they. You think, put, I'm, you think I'm flipping Clemson? Yeah, and Ohio I think State? That, because Ohio State has wins and Clemson hasn't beaten anybody. But but that committee that I think that the committee is old school as well. These guys are all old Buffaloes. They've seen how college football works, and I think they're going to give Clemson the credit for being there the last couple of years. Dabo Sweeney, hmm. the clout that Clemson kind of has week in week yeah. out. I think they're going to look at the schedule, say, yeah, they've beaten who they can beat. I believe that Clemson does get above Ohio State because what they did last year and the last couple of years. And uh, here's the here's the pitch from Jeff Long or whoever it is. It's just that. Well, you know, uh, we look at Clemson and Ohio State to be very similar teams, but based on what Clemson did last year, Ohio State right there still number four, but they need to oh, win Oh, they a can't actually more. say that based on last year. You don't think they'd no, say that? No, I mean, even if they maybe, think maybe, it. Maybe, maybe if they say based on the history or based on what Clemson maybe. has shown us. Yeah, I mean, do. I don't know. Uh, but. I, see, I think Clemson will be four, and I think I'll be right about this. Uh, yeah, well, I hope you think well, that will. Should we put it on the bat board? No, <laughs> oh, God, no. Um, yeah, look, you I think I, I definitely think there. I definitely. Th- oh yeah, I know all the guys down there. <laughs> I know um, you do. I'm best friends with Condi. Rubbing elbows with, yeah. with Condi. Me, me and Condi go way back. <laughs> um, no, look, I think they definitely factor in uh, previous year's results in the final, like, you know, how teams have done in recent history in the final rankings. But during the season, like you said, it doesn't, it's meaningless. It's just, it's just there to throw a couple bones to Stephen A. Smith and Will Kane and let them debate shit on ESPN. That's literally all they're doing. They're throwing bones to, to the, uh, the hot take artists out there. So I think it'll go Clemson four, Bama three, Ohio state two, LSU one. Cause I, I think that Ohio state has looked like the best team. I think LSU has the best resume, but I do like your idea of having LSU Alabama number one, number two. But, but here's the other thing. They don't need – it doesn't matter. Like the LSU Alabama game is going to be huge regardless of the playoff rankings, right? Yeah, they, but it's I don't one, know if it two, needs Will. that extra bump. It's one, two. It may not need the extra bump, but that's an extra one, million dollars. pretty big. That's an extra million dollars in How advertising per quarter they can get. What if they put Ohio State one and then LSU two and then it's two, three? But see – the com- I don't think the committee would do that. Not not this early in the process. They don't want to set themselves up. Remember last week when you and I were talking about the AP rankings? Yeah. My philosophy was, look, if you want to get crazy and start putting teams above Clemson and Alabama, then I would put Ohio State up there because they had LSU, so on and so forth. I think, I think the committee is much more conservative. I think the committee is much less willing to just jump Ohio State over Alabama Clemson, who have been doing this for years, the first week. I think that they're going to eventually get there, and I think the committee may, in a conspiratorial fashion say look we're gonna you know we know that ohio state's gonna end up there right now let's do the one two so when does that come out do you know it's tonight but i don't know when it might come out while we're while we're recording so maybe by the end of the show we can find out if we're right i hope so i'm kind of i'll be kind of monitoring it um but we'll see if not we'll definitely discuss it next week and find and talk about how i was right he absolutely tyler's wrong well you know what we're gonna have to see okay okay we'll see we'll see (laughs) Uh, but yeah, so then after that, I got Oregon six, Georgia uh, seven, Oklahoma eight, and Utah nine. That's kind of how I did that. So, once again, thank you to Wise Money Sports. Wise Money Sports, a very unique uh, betting site where, well, not really a betting site. You can't go and place bets there, but it is a unique pick site. You can go, you can get picks from multiple professional bettors that give their uh, their best bets in all kinds of sports, football, tennis, soccer, hockey, baseball, basketball. Uh, baseball season is over now, but we're getting into basketball, so you're going to see bets from all kinds of different sports on there. It's cool, so that can help you make some extra money. Also, if you're already a gambler, you want to go to a different package. If you kind of 
if you spring for that higher up package, you're willing to spend a little bit more uh, dollars there to make a little bit more money. You can get uh, one-on-one counseling with what's called a professional sports broker, and they will help you make your picks. They'll give you advice on what you're doing. You can get some picks as well. So check them out online, wisemoneysports.com and on Twitter at wisemoneysports. All right, Tyler. I'm putting on the uh, and the little corner TV we have here. I'm putting on the uh, the ESPN feed. Yes. Okay. Cool. So we're gonna see. Yeah, let me know. Live here. Riveting okay, stuff. Uh, <laughs> Here's number seven. Um, <laughs> no, Tyler, I'm excited right now because if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know this has been this is one of the biggest pet peeves I have with you, Tyler. Uh oh. This is an intervention. <laughs> um, Tyler, I love you, buddy, but you too, Will. You have not seen so many good movies. It's all—it's always bugged me about you. How many incredible movies you haven't seen? So we talked about it on the last couple shows. We're going to start this new segment. It's going to be Tyler's outdated movie reviews. It's become kind of a thing. Yes. And I, I keep getting getting grief for it on this podcast, actually on a couple others, but we're only running this, uh, this kind of feature on this show. Yeah. So exclusive to College Football Weekly only. Yeah, I'm going to be giving some outdated movie reviews. Yeah, so this last week... Uh, Tyler finally watched Forrest Gump. One of the greatest movies ever, by the way, in yes. my opinion. But I'm interested to hear your movie review. Tyler saw it. So, Tyler, tell us what you think. Give us your movie review here on Forrest Gump. Should we save some music for the picks? Should we just keep it dry right now? Yeah, keep it the- dry. Okay, okay. Well, let's start off with... When I, when I sat down to watch the Forrest Gump movie, I went in with these sky-high expectations because everyone's talked about Forrest Gump. I was afraid of this. I had somebody over today... Uh, doing voice work for a few other things, and and I said, yeah, I watched Forrest Gump this morning for you know the little homework, little project we're doing for College Football Weekly, and his response was, you've are you are you kidding me? You've never seen Forrest Gump? Are you living, man? What's wrong with you? So that was everybody's sentiment going yeah. into the movie. So I'm just ready to be just blown off my feet. Oh, see, yeah, the hype is uh, exactly. Oh, that sucks. I think that's going to be a problem with a lot of these movies because it gets built up into this thing, and I'm going, wait, 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 hold on a minute, hold on. That whole run, Forrest, run thing, it's just some little girl yelling so he doesn't get his ass kicked. That's what everyone's been yelling <laughs> oh, for the last no, couple of decades. Tyler, don't do and this. And the box of chocolates thing, and he's just sitting there talking this girl's ear off next to him on the on the park bench or on the bench waiting for the bus. Yeah, that's where the whole thing She's takes just place. minding her own business. He's just annoying these people, talking to random people coming up. Just At their own. first, but then no, the, no, no, the Will, woman starts to love his in story, In 2019, Tyler. that's harassment. You get locked up for that in 2019. That is harassment, okay? So that's how <sighs> the movie started. So that's how the movie started. Is I go, oh my God, is the whole thing just going to be these stupid... You know, mom always said life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. I'm like, good God. Okay. When do I stand up and give the ovation? Because I'm already bored. So that's how it started. But I will say the movie progresses. It becomes the reason why Forrest Gump is such a good movie is it clicked for me at the end is it brings together so many things that that, that are relatable. And I think that's that's important in movies. And, And based on the time it came out. Obviously, you know, it's it wasn't during Vietnam or anything like that, but it's fresh. There's things going right. on in America. People could relate to it. A lot of people still have lived through those things. You, you get to kind of see Forrest and Jenny grow up. Yeah, he big historical war. events, right? Exactly. So it was cool to see the the overlapping of of the history and all that stuff. But it was so cheesy. What he, he played football at Alabama. The reason why all these different brands, the shit happened stickers because of him. Yeah. It's so corny. No, I'm just like, it's great. It was it was it was good. It was very good movie. But this brought up a question. I go, what is the criteria 
for great movies because everyone has different cri- criteria for great movies. And I think, you know, what, what it comes down to is when, when the masses love a movie and agree, you know, kind of makes us feel good, it becomes an iconic movie, right? Yeah. And I think that's what Forrest Gump is, is when you look at cinematography, when you look at the way it was shot, the writing, so on and so forth, there's tons of other movies that, that pop off as great all-time cinema classics, but that that will go down as a nostalgic movie. It, it's, it's a piece in time. It's kind of like a relic. Yeah. And it means something. And so overall, what should we give? Uh, what, what should the rating system be here? Should hmm. it be... Uh, That's a good question. I didn't think be, about this. Should we switch it up for every, switch it up for every you, movie? Right? Uh, I, no, I think it should be like a Tyler scale, a special... Tyler Walgy scale. Yeah, how many somethings? Hmm. Yeah. What does Tyler truly love more well, than anything? Let's not get into the depths of my brain. <laughs> That's a whole other podcast. Uh, yeah. Look, I mean, here, here's we, the other we, thing. Should, should we think about that and just give it footballs for this week? Yeah, sure. Okay, I'll give it out of five. Out of five. Ooh, that's a that's a low ranking system. I like to give it like out of out of a hundred. Out of a hundred? No, that is more. We don't need that much precision. But, but, How about but, out of ten? No, then I'm gonna then I'm gonna be difficult, and I'm gonna say okay. Then I'm gonna do percentages if I can't do the hundred <laughs> and just do my way anyway. All right, out of a hundred. So, <laughs> How do you score it? Out of a hundred, I'll go. I'll go eighty three footballs out of a hundred. Okay, I mean that's or eight fair. Point, eight point three out of ten. Look, it's not like a it's not a masterpiece of cinematic you know but, art yeah. or whatever. But I think what makes it great and and this when you were talking about what makes a movie great before the first thing I thought of is is rewatchability. So it's this is one of those movies that I think is right on the top of the list of movies that when you're just scrolling through the TV guide and you see it's on, you just click on it and you watch. It doesn't matter if it's halfway through. Well, you haven't seen it yet. So this is what I was going <laughs> to say. Did, or no, I'm, I'm sorry. This is my, this was your first time seeing it. That's what I meant to say <laughs> yeah, there. there. But uh, this movie is, is one of those movies that the more you watch it, actually the better it gets. It's not one where I actually, I, I believe that a hundred percent. So yeah. like, like, you know, maybe a couple of weeks from now, you're bored, you're scrolling through the TV guide, and you see it, and you click on it again, and all of a sudden, then, some of these uh, movie moments become better and better and better, because this is a movie that I've seen, you know, all the way through start to finish, only a handful of times, but I've seen it where it's been on TV, and I click on it, and I've watched, you know, maybe a quarter, maybe a half, or whatever, dozens and dozens of times, and it gets, it is one of those movies that's on that list of when it's on, you just watch well, it. And I think that's what's going to be kind of fun about these movie reviews as we go through the rest of the year is it's my first impression. These are movies that you guys right. have seen forever. This is my first impression. I could see the rewatchability you know, being pretty high. By the way, Will, I'm always flipping through the, through the TV guide. Oh, always. man. And haven't my... you noticed that it's on all the time? <laughs> oh, yeah. Like There's a handful of oh, movies yeah. that are always on, and Forrest Gump seems like one of them. But one thing that I didn't like, and you're, you'll pick up on this the more we do these kind of movie things... I'm not a big fan of cheap emotional moments. That's oh, why that's why I was cheap. down on the movie Up. The movie Up. Yeah, we talked so, about this once before. It's so before. cheap, man. It just it just gets you bawling in the first 5 minutes and it's like, "Okay, you right. all crying? Okay, here's your movie." It's such so, so cheap. So I found myself just like getting so sad watching yeah, Forrest okay. Gump. I'm glad that you said that because yes. Forrest Gump is one of the rare movies where it makes me tear up almost every time at a but, couple moments. But and, and, and it also may have been my mentality because I was looking at it almost as homework. Yeah, what are you doing? I got to do some work. Yeah, right. I got to get ready for the podcast. Got to watch Forrest Gump. Yeah, you were, it was like being in school. You had it to. It sort of was like that. So when, when I'm like sitting there tearing up and going, this bullshit. I just want to be doing some prep for college football right now. You, you know? and your girlfriend <laughs> need to sit down and watch some time and just enjoy it. She 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 actually asked if she could watch uh, during it, but I, I to the you were like no go credit, away no to the credit of <laughs> College Football Weekly, 
She she talks during shows, man. She can't not talk over shows. So I was like, look, I want to be able Who to is actually. He? I don't remember exactly. Him. Why is he here? Or you know what she does is she'll always like look in the background. Like there'll be two people having a conversation, and she'll be like, "See that guy in the background? Why do you think he just itched his back?" I'm like, "I don't know. What do you think? What do you the think the director told yeah, him? Yeah, what to? do you think he's drinking in that cup? Yeah. I don't know. So yeah, I was like, no, look, I gotta, I got for the podcast, I gotta really watch this, give it my all. Has she never seen it either? No, she had. She loves oh, okay. it. Okay, like everybody yeah. else, I I don't know who has seen Forrest Gump and doesn't like. Yeah, everybody likes it. Yeah. That's why it's on this list. But yeah, Lieutenant Dan, hey, Ice Cream. <laughs> Come on, dude. It, 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 it's going to get better and better the more you watch it. I do believe that. 8.3 so. footballs. That's a boring rating. we got to come up with a much better rating system for next Yeah, we'll week, figure so. something out. We will, but there we go. Okay. Mm. Uh, Want to get into some Week 11 games, Tyler? Let's go ahead and do it. All right. Week 11. Last week, not that many great games. This week, we got some good ones. First one we're going to do. Louisville at Miami. Louisville six and a half point dogs going on the road to Miami. This is an interesting matchup here. Miami, they're five and four, three and three in the conference. Louisville's five and three, three and two in the conference. Miami got that big win against Florida State last week in their rivalry. And you look at this one, despite them both being in the ACC, there's Oh my god, can I interrupt you? Yeah. The rankings are out. Oh, they are. What were your top four? Okay, my top four. Yeah. yeah. Here we go. Uh, I had LSU 1, Ohio State 2, Bama 3, Clemson 4. Ohio State 1. Oh! LSU 2. Bama 3. Bama 3. Penn State number 4. Wow! Yeah. All right, so that's definitely throwing a bone exactly. to Stephen A. Smith. Exactly. Leaving Clemson out. Yeah. But see, once again, it won't matter because Ohio State and Clemson, or Ohio State and Penn State play each other in a couple weeks. But I will say that you were dead on with the whole Clemson thing, and they're not willing to give Clemson that early respect. Yeah. Going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But wow. again, how Ohio about State, that? Penn State one. in. Yep. Okay, well, I was right. You were wrong. We'll just go ahead and. Will, I'll play this for you. <laughs> I win again, just like always. <laughs> Except for some reason, he's 4 and 1 in our <laughs> bets that go against each other this yeah, year. Yeah, but. So. No, one and four. I should say I'm four and right. one. Yeah, yeah, I'm one and four. However, yeah. I am one and zero on my last one. So hot streak. Yeah, that's what they call a winning I'm streak. I'm just gonna throw a little spin on that one <laughs> and uh, big time winning streak for all. I wonder if we'll have any on the bet board for this week. I, but yeah, we might. I'm gonna see where you land for some of these. Okay, so Louisville, Miami. Yeah, not a lot of recent history to go off. They're both ACC teams. But they haven't played a lot. Louisville has won the last three against Miami, but they haven't played since 2014. They're in different divisions in the ACC, so they don't face each other very much. Uh, one other interesting note here, Miami starting safety, Bubba Bolden, he's out for the season after, I don't know if you saw this, Tyler, uh, he was celebrating an interception in last week's game against Florida State and went to do a jump a jump and like bump chest with a teammate and he hurt his ankle he's out for the year oh my celebrating god that sounds a, like something I would do that's a tough one yeah that, <laughs> sounds like something I would do too you and I would hurt each other celebrating no doubt but so Bubba Bolden out for the season and that's tough because the strength of this Miami team is the defense they're only allowing 290 yards per game 18 points per game so their defense is their strength and their offense has really struggled. It's kind of been up and down. They don't have any depth at quarterback. Jaron Williams, the uh, redshirt freshman, he's back. But Nikosi Perry, who's played a lot too, he's questionable. Tate Martell, who is the third-string quarterback, uh, who also played some wide receiver, he's out with an unknown injury. He's questionable. To me, this Miami team is just erratic. I mean, look at they've lost to Florida, to North Carolina. They lost to a bad Virginia Tech team. They lost to Georgia Tech, for Christ's sake. Uh, then you look at their wins. They beat Virginia, a pretty solid team. They won on the road at Pitt, a tough team. And then they beat Florida State. So 
This Miami team is erratic, and then you look at Louisville. They're currently playing their best football. They beat Virginia uh, last week as an underdog. They played well against Clemson despite the score. It was a, it was a, a competitive game for the first half, and Clemson obviously a much better team. But they played pretty well against them, all things considered. And they're coming off a bye week. They've had extra time to prep for Miami. I like their quarterback, Malik Cunningham. Uh, Javion Hawkins is the running back. They're a really great backfield duo. I love their coach, Scott Satterfield. He's got the clear coaching advantage over Manny Diaz. But Manny Diaz also has the clear talent advantage over Louisville. So this one's interesting. You look at uh, some ratings here. Football Outsiders. They've got Miami about 10 spots higher than Louisville. I think you see strength versus strength. The Louisville offense versus the Miami defense and weakness versus weakness. To me, it just comes down to can Louisville score on the Miami defense. I think if they score 30, they win. They've struggled to reach that point against better defenses so far, but I think they're hitting their stride. I think they do it this week. Could be a letdown spot for Miami after the win against Florida State. I'm taking Louisville and the points on the road here. Give me Louisville. What's the spread? Six and a half, Miami favored by six and a half. Yeah, I'd buy the point and take Louisville to seven here. Everything points to Louisville for me. And I love the fact that Miami is rated a little bit higher on football outsiders because that means a lot of that sharp money. Look, a lot of those sharp guys, I know it. I hear it. I listen to them. I I, I, I talk to them. They go, what does what football outsiders say? For some reason, football outsiders is, I know they do a good job. Right. It's not the end-all be-all. Since Louisville joined the ACC, they're 3-1 and one against Miami. They've never lost against the spread. And this year, Louisville is a much different team. What I always say is you got to go back and look at the stats. How did Louisville, for this example, how, did, how has Louisville performed the last couple of years? Louisville's never been a great team. We never know them to have this amazing offense, great defense. So that's all kind of baked into the line here. And I still think Louisville's outperforming expectations this year. You start to match up Louisville and Miami. What have they done on the field? Okay, I think Louisville, you mentioned that they've kind of struggled to get things going. If they can get over 30, you like them. I agree with that. But the fact that they've rushed the ball for 136 a game, Miami's rushing it for 60 yards a game, and essentially it's the same passing offense in terms of how much you'll see the ball. Each team, Louisville and Miami, throw the ball exactly 31.7 times a game. Wow. So that means they've had... 0.7 of a throw? I well, I, I think that they divide the total amount of passes by the games. You don't think it's like a little mini throw they Maybe do or something? Maybe it's a screen pass. They count as a half, <laughs> a half point. But they've thrown the ball the exact same amount of times this year. Louisville's completion percentage, 72.4. Miami's completion percentage, 58.2. Wow. I think Louisville's going to find a lot here opening up on offense. And especially, you mentioned the, the, the injuries to Miami's defense. I think that Louisville scores here on the road. I leaned over when I first started looking at this game because I do trust Miami at home. I kind of leaned with that football outsiders. Okay, they're a better team playing at home. But when it comes down to it, I don't trust both teams to get it going. I, I, would, I would trust Louisville plus seven, whether this is a shootout or whether this is a defensive game. So I don't want to play the whole, well, what's the flow going to be over under? I'll take Louisville, buy the half point to get him to seven, and I think you're pretty comfortable there, plus a touchdown on the road. Give me Louisville. Okay, both on Louisville. Next up, Illinois at Michigan State. Michigan State, a 14-and-a-half point favorite in this one. I feel square. Fade Sparty. Fade them until they prove themselves worthy. They've burned me too many times this year. I'm done with them. <laughs> I'm fading them. You look at Michigan State, they're 4-4, four and four, very disappointing year. They've had an inability to run the ball. It's led to an offense that might be worse than last year's team. They're ranked 110th nationally in points per game, just 21 points per game. That's terrible. Lewerke, their quarterback, he hasn't been too bad, but he doesn't have any help from his offensive line and from his receivers. 
the defense that was supposed to be one of the best, the Michigan State defense, it was vaunted. They returned a ton of starters from last year. It has fallen outside the top 25 in, in defensive scoring, after get, and especially after giving up an average of more than 30 points per game over the last four. Now, to be fair, those games were against Indiana, Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Penn State, all good teams. But it still goes to show you that their defense hasn't lived up to expectations. They're having a tough year. You've got you know, stuff with Mark D'Antonio. Is he on the hot seat? Is he not? Whatever. So I, I, I feel like I really don't like this Michigan State team, but they do have a bye week to prepare for this Illinois team. And then you look at Illinois. They're 5-4. and four. They're playing with confidence. Yeah. They've won three straight games, starting, of course, with the epic upset of Wisconsin three weeks ago. Then they've had strong performances against Purdue and Rutgers. The bye week for Michigan State does scare me a little bit, but the main factor here you should be considering is motivation. Michigan State, this horrible, disappointing season that – at the beginning of the year, started with Big Ten championship hopes. The job security questions are swirling around Mark D'Antonio. And now one of their best players on defense, senior linebacker Joe Bocci, he just got suspended for the remainder of the season for testing positive for PEDs. So what do they have to play for? You, then you look at Illinois. They're 5-4. and four. They haven't had a winning record this late into the season in a 1,000 years. And they're looking at this game against Michigan State as an I thought it was only 996 years. Yeah, you know what? You may be right there. Okay. Uh, Double check that def- Definitely fact check yeah. that. Uh, <laughs> they're looking at this game against Michigan State as an opportunity to get bowl eligible for the first time since 2014. So whatever, you know, look, whatever home field advantage Michigan State has is greatly diminished. A lot of the fans aren't coming to the games anymore. You look uh, when they're on TV and half the stadium's empty. I don't know if Illinois can win this game. But I think they come in motivated, and they keep it within a score. So give me Illinois here, plus 14.5. Yeah, this is a strange line. This is a total pass for me because I look at this game, and I initially was like, I'm so square. I love Illinois because that that's just way too many points for Michigan State, and I haven't found anything to talk me off of it. But here's the thing is I have conflicting information here because Michigan State coming off the bye. They're a very good team off the bye. I think actually that there's some pressure now for D'Antoni to win, make a bowl. Don't let this season crumble. And on the other hand, Illinois playing their best football of the year, and Illinois has their bye week next week. So their mentality is, look, guys, one big game. Give me one last effort. We can rest after we go on the road, take care of business against Michigan State. So that could very well be a sentiment for Illinois. Conflicting factors there. And, Will, it's so difficult for me to ignore the first couple games of the season for Illinois. They lose to Eastern Michigan by three. They lose to Nebraska. They, they almost lose to UConn. Yeah. So I know they're getting better, and I know that's what we talk about. All you can ask for Lovey Smith and this young team is to get better through the season. They've done that. But I can't ignore how bad they were to start the season. And then you go back. It, it, this is the thing. I keep ping-ponging, right? Because since then, well, I don't love the loss to Nebraska, but they've beat – or they, they lost to number 13 Minnesota. They lost to Michigan, who was a top 15 team at the time. They lose to Wisconsin. And they were close. They they They, were they that Michigan game was actually close late in the fourth quarter. By the the way, closer than the score says. Uh, They beat Wisconsin, so they're playing very very good football right now. I just I just go okay. How much better can they have gotten from the beginning of the season to now? And I mean I don't know. Just off the top of your head, if if these two teams or if Illinois Michigan State played Week One, 
Oh, I think Michigan State would have been twenty-eight or or twenty-eight or more point favorites. Yeah, so that's that. So that's maybe a touchdown adjustment for each team, accumulating yeah, to about sure. fourteen total points, and that sounds about right to me. This game is a pass. Don't have a strong lean one way or the other. If I had to force a play, I would go Illinois team total over because this this right now shows me they're getting no respect in the marketplace. This offense can score points. Michigan State's defense, home or away, has shown to be more suspect this year than others. And again, Illinois is putting it together on offense. Their last four weeks offensively, 38, 24, 24, and 25. They can score points. So I see them coming out here with this over-under, this big of a spread. Illinois should have a fairly low team total. So that would be my best. It would be right around a touchdown. So really, you just need them to probably get to 10 points and they'd cover that. Exactly. So that would probably be my best way to attack this game, Uh, the team total there over for Illinois. All right, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, look, I I like the – they're kind of getting into a groove. Lovey Smith has got them playing confident. Their quarterback – Brandon Peters, he was a Michigan transfer. He's come in, you know, he had some injury issues earlier in the year. He's looked pretty solid for them, and their defense just isn't it's not terrible anymore. It's not good, it's not great. It might not even be good, but it's not terrible. And so I just think that when you talk when you talk about 14 and a half points, I think this Michigan State team is just dejected. And uh, I think I think Illinois honestly has a chance to win it and I think they'll keep it close. This is a good example of what a I know the book is out on Lovey Smith. <laughs> I, w- I, w- I wouldn't go as far as to even call him a uh, very good coach right now, but he obviously has a plan. The guy knows football. He's been around the NFL, college football for a long, long time. This is proof that if you stay with the system, if you keep getting a, if you get a group of guys who buy into a concept and buy into a philosophy, right. you can see teams completely pull a 180 during one football season. We've talked before about how, how short the season is. It's only 12 games, but it's really promising for a lot of programs out there to see Illinois. It gives promise to all the University of Colorados out there, right? right. If you just stick with it and keep keep doing what the coach says and, and, and keep practicing every week, you're going to eventually become a good football team. We see it with Illinois, and uh, they're, they're playing very good right now. Yeah, no doubt. Well, we'll keep it in the Big Ten. Next game up. Two undefeated teams here. Penn State going on the road at Minnesota. They're both 8-0. Right now, Penn State, six-and-a-half-point road favorite. So Penn State, they're having maybe their best season under James Franklin. Uh, They've proven themselves in big games and in tough environments. They had a win at Iowa, tough place to play. They beat Michigan at home. Uh, They went on the road at Michigan State and won handily. Uh, Look, their offense... It hasn't exactly been the type to grind out long drives, but they've been really good at making big, explosive plays, chunk plays. And with Sean Clifford, KJ Hamler, and the bevy of talented running backs they have, they've found a way to, uh, you know, score 40 points per game. And that really complements their stellar defense very well. As the Nittany Lions, they've only given up 13 points or less, or excuse me, They've given up 13 points or less in all but one game. That one game was Michigan, where Michigan scored 21. So the defense has been great. Then you look at Minnesota. They are no doubt having their best season under P.J. Fleck and their best start to the season in decades. Uh, And it goes to show they just rewarded P.J. Fleck today with a new seven-year contract. So the the Gophers' defense, they did struggle early in the year, but over their last four games, they've only given up an average of 13 points per game, similar to that number that Penn State's doing this year. And you look at the stats. Statistically, these two teams are just so similar. Both teams are outgaining their opponents by about 145 yards per game. They're both giving up an average of right around 280 yards per game while putting up 420 on offense. They're both scoring 38 points per game. They're both stingy defenses. Uh, you know, Penn State's been a little bit better at keeping 
opposing teams out of the end zone, especially early in the year. They're giving up just nine points per game right now, uh, while Minnesota's season total is right around 20. But they are improving. But guess where they aren't similar? Strength of schedule. Minnesota hasn't played anybody yet. I mean, really, what's their best win? You look at their schedule. Their best win, is it Fresno State on the road? Is it Nebraska? Is it Illinois? I mean, none of the, none of the teams that, they, that they're that they uh, playing can even sniff the competition that Penn State has played so far, and the strength of schedule stats prove it. Sports reference, they have Penn State's strength of, strength of schedule at 35th in the nation, while Minnesota 102nd. Look, I like what the Gophers are doing. I'm all about row the boat. I like P.J. Fleck. I love their quarterback, Tanner Morgan. He, right, he's uh, completing 65% of his passes. He's got 18 touchdowns, only four interceptions. Rodney Smith is getting seven yards per carry on the ground. And they have a future NFL receiver in Tyler Johnson. He's got seven touchdowns. But Minnesota just hasn't been tested yet. And I think Penn State has a real chance to blow out Minnesota here. Both teams are coming off a bye. That is interesting to note. At that point, I think you give the advantage maybe a little bit to Minnesota just because they're at home. But I'm taking Penn State here. I think there's a real chance that Penn State blows them out. I do like Minnesota, but I think the Penn State is just that better, that much better of a team, and I think we'll see it on Saturday. I like uh, the Golden Gophers here. Oh, um, boy. But, Bet board? Well, but here's my thing. I have seven as my price. What do you have your price at? I saw six and a half, but I mean, I'm sure it's seven all over the place. If, I, we, I, if we can do seven... Yeah, then, let's then, do it. then we'll make it a bet board. Okay. Um, you're right, man. Strength of schedule, not in the favor of Minnesota. And a couple early games there, especially against Georgia Southern, you go, how in the hell is this team going to compete with a real contender? And I believe Penn State, even though they're not on the same level as Clemson, Georgia, Alabama, they're a real contender this year. But this is all about a team who believes. Right now in Minnesota's locker room, they're not talking about what we're talking about. They're talking about guys. We have a chance to go to the college football playoffs. This is going to be the biggest game in Minnesota in the history of the program. Yeah. It is tough to go win. Last week, we talked about Kansas, right? The Kansas-Kansas State game. That's going to be nothing like this for a couple reasons. One, the talent, the caliber of the team, way, way down. It's not like they could even stay on the same field as Kansas State. But here in Minnesota, with... I see I see a huge atmosphere. I see the, these kids getting up. And, Will, I've seen this game played out before where you get a very, very good team. I, I think on a, on a neutral field, I would take Penn State to blow Minnesota out. It's the fact that Minnesota's hosting this and everything that goes with it that they think they can still make the playoffs. There's going to be so much motiv- motivation coming from Minnesota. This year, they're running the ball for 187 yards a game. Penn State has stopped the football or had stopped the running game this year. But I think that... that Minnesota wants to slow this game down. They want to play their own style of football in their own house. Really, what I think it's going to take for Penn State to cover this is to get a few turnovers, get a a few of those big momentum-shifting plays, because I guarantee you something. If Minnesota ends the game positive in turnovers, they may win this thing. Penn State's going to rely on their defense to, I think, shock Minnesota if they're going to win and cover. I don't think that happens. I think Minnesota keeps it close, eventually loses a close game. But Penn State has to scrap and claw for everything in this one. I will take the uh, Golden Gophers plus seven here. By the way, last 10 years, these teams are five and five against each other. Penn State's only won five of the last uh, 10 meetings. Penn State's four, five, and one against Minnesota against the spread. And the average score the last 10 years, and this does factor in a lot of good Penn State and a lot of horrible Minnesota, 22-19 is the average score last 10 years. I think we see the same thing. I think that Minnesota, again, I'm repeating myself here, but very excited team, a lot of motivation. The stadium goes nuts. 
and uh, they keep it close. So yeah, it's going to be lit up in uh, Minneapolis, uh, TCF Bank Stadium. Uh, I'm sure it'll be a cool environment. And look, PJ Flex been good in big games. When he was at Western Michigan, he had a BCS Bowl, I think, against Wisconsin when he was with the Broncos, and he, and he won. Uh, so you know, he's kind of proven himself against you know maybe greater competition. I really like him. I think he's a great coach, uh, but. Well, I, I just really think this Penn State this Penn State team is that much better. And that's a good point. I, I, look, you can't ignore strength of schedule. You can't ignore who teams have played up to this point in the season. But look, I always say this. You, you can only play who's on your schedule. And yes, Minnesota got off to a, a bit of a slow start. I think we'd all agree on that. Yeah. Since that rocky start, Minnesota's 4-0 straight up. 4-0 against the spread. Wow. And they've outscored their opponents 168-41. to Yeah, that's big. I just think that at home, because here's the thing. They can play football, right? This isn't some scrub team. And P.J. Flex, a very good head coach. We mentioned him getting floated out there earlier. And and it, you're the one to rag on James Franklin. So you give Fleck and Franklin one extra week. I just don't see seven points here being the case. But, Will, we'll put it on the bet board. Let the game decide. All right. And, Going uh, on the bet board. Tyler's rowing that boat. Row, row, row your boat. Want to bet? What? Would you like to bet on it? It's on the board. Emotionally speaking, I, I will be pulling for Minnesota because I don't like Penn State very much. Well, you but can't now. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, the, my brain is just telling me Penn State. But all right. There we go. on the bet board. Next so, up. So, folks, that, that's an underhanded way of Will saying, I'm handicapping this with my brain, not my heart. Yes. So therefore, <laughs> yeah, because otherwise I'd say, let's go Gophers. Let's go Golden so Gophers. Is, is that just another way of saying that I didn't handicap it with my brain, Will? No, I think, I think you that? and I just just view this differently. I, I don't think that this is your heart speaking. Okay. Um, what if you're just taking a shot at my good old noggin? No, not at all. You not know, all. you know, in medieval, uh, in ancient times, in like medieval Rome, they used to think that, that your brain was located in your heart. And when people would die, they would just like toss the brain out, throw it out because they didn't think it was significant. Interesting. They would like study the heart and see how we thought. Well, anyway, fun. What fact do they of the know day. anyway? They're all dead. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anyway, <laughs> next up. Uh, biggest game of the weekend here. LSU at Alabama. Number two versus number three, as we just discovered. Yeah, it should be one LS, versus two. LSU's two, right? And Bama's three? Is that what we discovered? Yes. Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, Bama at home. Bama, you can check where it's at. I'm pretty sure it's still six and a half point favorites for Bama. Is that right, Tyler? Uh, pull it up right that? now. So, LS, bo- both teams undefeated. LSU, 8-0. Uh, look, I've loved LSU. Six. six. Okay, just six. There we go. Um, I've loved LSU this year. It's been so much fun to watch them with a real offense. Their defense hasn't been quite as dominant as in the past, but it's still been very good. And now you see you have – I don't have to tell all of you about how great Joe Burrow is and this offense, all the wide receivers they have. But I will say, last week – or two weeks ago, excuse me. By the way, both teams coming off a bye here. A lot of, a lot of teams coming off bye. Two weeks ago against Auburn, that game concerned me. LSU was only able to score 23 points against the Auburn defense at home. They won that game 23-20, to and that kind of just worries me when you're talking about Alabama. Uh, one of their starting linebackers who leads the team in sacks, Michael Divinity, he just left the team for personal reasons. Coach O said he is leaving the door open, hopes he comes back and plays. It sounds like he's not going to, though. That could be a big loss for them. Coach O, he's got a great record versus top 10 teams. I think number two in the country versus top 10. All of this, uh, look, this is another heart versus brain thing. My heart wants LSU. But then I look at Bama. All the talk for once has actually been all about LSU this year. (laughs) Bama got jumped by LSU in in the rankings. Uh, Then you look at Bama's offense. Their lowest scoring output this year was 35 points in a game where Tua got hurt with an injury. And then 
two weeks ago against uh, Arkansas, the backup comes in, they score 45. Look, I think Bama could win this game without Tua. And all the reports are saying Tua is very likely to play. Nick Saban has said he's a game-time decision. I'm sure he won't be fully 100% off this ankle injury, but everyone is saying Tua's going to play. All the public money, I think, will be on LSU here. I think all the fans are going to want to root against Alabama. LSU, here's another interesting one, Tyler. I'm interested to, to hear about your opinion on this. Alabama's, or LSU has already played in some big games this year. This is Alabama's first. Do you see that as being a, a better thing for LSU or Alabama? Because you can look at it as saying... LSU is battle-tested, but also we might not have seen the best Alabama team so far this year. No, I think that's that's definitely a better uh, situation for Alabama! <laughs> Forrest Gump right there Forrest for you, Gump. Yeah, look, this one's tough. I, I, I think this, I really hope it's a great game. You got the both teams coming off a bye. I think Coach O will have his team ready. He's one of the best at motivating his guys. They're going to come out extremely motivated. And you look at the—I mean, you look at the recent history. I don't know that it counts so much in this week. Bama's won eight straight, but this just feels like a different LSU team, right? Um, with, with offense, I don't know how much. I'm, obviously, yeah. you don't want to throw out the recent history of Alabama, but with LSU, it just seems different. So I'm a little torn here, but I think I, I think I'm just going to take Bama. Bama at home. I think they cover. Like I said, I think they can win without Tua. I don't want to. Once again, I I want LSU to win this game. My heart does. But I think I'm going to take Bama here, minus six points. Yeah, I mean, look, LSU looks different this year, but this is Alabama. This is not – LSU is going to look different against every other team. Every other great team in college football is going to look good against every other team right. against Alabama. To me, this is all about Tua Tungavaiola, and if you can – I wish I had a better ranking system for how much Tua is worth because right now it feels to me – like the market is shading the line as if he will play, but they're not fully committed. Let me explain myself. I think the line, if Tua announces he's healthy, right? Or let's put it this way. If Tua were healthy and there were no issues, I believe this line would be seven. Okay, I think it's a one-point kind of hedge. I think that they believe he's going to play, but maybe not. So instead of seven, it's six. If he doesn't play, I think this line comes all the way down to three and a half or four. Yeah. So... It's a, it's a risky game. Do you want to buy the Alabama, because I'm on Alabama too, do you want to buy Alabama minus six right now and hope that Tua does play, or do you want to buy Alabama late and risk Tua playing and the line going up and you getting a worse price? So if you can quantify how much Tua's worth, then, I mean, I would take Alabama right now. I still think Tua or not and will. I think you're right. I think he does play this weekend. Yeah. But even if he doesn't play, this backup they have, they're going to plan for this. It's not like Nick Saban is going to approach this entire week and say, okay, let's look, it's all Tua. If he can't go, well, it'll be game time decision. Hey, you know the playbook, right? Right. They are in, in the closed doors in the locker room right now. They've all but made their mind up. And if Tua is 51% or leaning towards playing, then that's great. If he's 49% or leaning towards not playing, backup's ready. This guy's going to be ready. So, right now, early in the week, I like Alabama, but there's a few factors making me want to wait. A, the Tua injury, like I said. And the other thing is what Will mentioned most of the square money should come in on LSU, and most of the squares bet on game day. So,. I'm really thinking, it, let, let's say hypothetically speaking, this line doesn't move. Okay, Tua plays, this line stays at six. I think by Saturday morning, an hour and a half, two hours before kickoff of this game, the line will be 
five, five and a half. Right. And now we're getting into uh, the territory of you just needed six points to win, so on and so forth. So I would wait regardless and bet Alabama later in the week after you get the Tua injury news and uh, after you see some of that square money coming on LSU. Will, you're right. Great stats this year for the Tigers. They've looked very, very good so far, but I'm not going to bet against Alabama in this historic matchup where they've won eight times in a row. And as I said earlier, I think it's a good thing. They haven't played a tough schedule because they haven't shown what they need to do in their most difficult times, right? That's what a lot of these teams want to save and want to keep in their back pocket. Well, when we face a must-win situation, we're going to put everything out there on the field. I guess this can bleed into the Penn uh, State-Minnesota cap. P.J. Fleck has sat there and watched Penn State play these very good teams and see what they do on third and key situations. Third yeah. and key. Then that's not out there for teams who haven't had to face that yet. Now, the the flip side on that game is, well, unfortunately, Minnesota has had to face that with earlier bad teams, so maybe they, they right. didn't show their hand. But in this LSU-Alabama game, Alabama hasn't had to show anything. They can pull out three, four, five new looks. Not plays, looks. That's going to surprise LSU. So give me a better team, the better history, the much better coaching staff, the the, the preparation. The, and one little cherry on top, Will, this whole Tua thing, if he does play, is going to be such a positive for Alabama because LSU doesn't know. They're going to have to maybe prep 80-20, 70-30 for right. this backup. they got to prep for both. And, 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 and By definition, if you're not prepping 100% for one quarterback – you're cutting yourself short in the preparation room. So, uh, Will, give me Alabama here, minus six. I would wait to make the play later in the week. All right, run for us, run. Alabama, <laughs> we're both on Alabama there. Next game up, Iowa State going on the road to Oklahoma. Once again, both teams coming off a bye. We're seeing a big trend here. A lot of, a lot of uh, week 10 bye weeks here. So, Oklahoma, 14-point favorite at home to Iowa State. Iowa State, they're 5-3, and 3-2 three, three and two in conference. Right now, I mean, look, statistically, they're a pretty good team. They're right around top 20, right around 25th in the country in scoring. Their defense is above average considering the, the Big 12. They're right around 40th in defensive scoring. And I think they've been an above average Big 12 team. But they also haven't shown up against the best teams on their schedule. You look at their losses. They lost to Iowa early in the year at home. They lost to Baylor. And then they just lost to Oklahoma State a couple weeks ago. Uh it kind of seems like they live and die by Brock Purdy. They go as Brock Purdy goes. If he turns the ball over, they're not winning the game. If he has a great game, throws a bunch of touchdowns, they tend to do pretty well. Then you look at Oklahoma. Look, their defense really seemed like it w- it had changed from what we saw in the past years with bad tackling and giving up a ton of points with this new addition of Alex Grinch, the defensive coordinator, until two weeks ago against Kansas State. The Wildcats scored 48 points and put up 426 yards and did it both on the ground and through the air. So with the bye week, can Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch fix the problems and come up with a game plan that works against Iowa State? I look, you give I think Matt Campbell's a great coach. We kind of both agree he's another one of these hot names. I don't think he's you don't see him being out coached very often. But Lincoln Riley, one of the best in the country. You give him an extra week, I think the advantage does go to Oklahoma there. Last three years, these games have all been by ten points or less. But I still think Oklahoma gets the bounce back. I think they'll be more motivated. They need a bounce back when they got to do it and make a statement in order to get back in the good graces of the playoff committee and have a chance at making it. I think Oklahoma fixes their problems on defense. I think that they can keep Iowa State off the board, and I think that Jalen Hurts has a great game. Lincoln Riley comes up with a great game plan. Oklahoma scores a ton. 
Take Oklahoma here, minus 14. You know how sometimes I give out handicaps where I ask the audience, the listeners, it's like, hey, you guys, if you can answer one question, then you can complete my handicap, therefore feel comfortable about making your own play. Well, that fits in here. Oklahoma, it all comes down to motivation. Last week, they lose may have blown their chance to make the playoffs. Jalen Hurts, we don't know what's going on in this kid's mind. He had a chance to tee off against Alabama, go in as an undefeated OU team and have all the revenge in the world. Don't tell me that's not weighing on Jalen Hurts' mind. I think if you can answer the question, everyone listening right now, if you can answer the question, is Oklahoma max motivated? Are they completely motivated for this game? Then I would certainly go with the Sooners. But Something's telling me that there's going to be a down locker room. I think Lincoln Riley's going to be, even though he may not mope into the locker room, he sees the writing on the wall. He knows how hard it is for a one-loss Big 12 team to get into the playoffs. That was their chance last or two weeks ago against Kansas State, and they blew it. So I wonder, what's the feeling like right now in Oklahoma's locker room? Because I guarantee you one thing. The Iowa State Cyclones used that bye week to bounce back, and, and, and Matt Campbell... They didn't have aspirations of making the playoffs or making the Final Four, so on and so forth. That loss to Oklahoma State a couple weeks ago, yeah, it was a knock against what Iowa State's trying to do, but it's no big deal. They still have their sights set on a good bowl game, finishing the season strong. So I think right now on the surface, if I had to guess, I'd say Iowa State comes in with the motivational edge. Therefore, that would lead me off of Oklahoma. If you think the Sooners come in here using that bye week to fix the couple holes they had in that Swiss cheese, de- Swiss cheese defense against Kansas State, I think they'll make the necessary adjustments, shut Brock Purdy down, and get the big win. But that's a big if. What's the motivation for Oklahoma? That to me is the overlying umbrella question to this handicap. Answer that, and you'll have your and you'll have your handicap. So and you'll have your side. You take. Uh, are you picking here, or are you? Well, I mean, I mean, stay away. I know that was kind of wishwashy. I would lean Oklahoma, but I I, I would need to follow their Twitter. And just to give everyone kind of an idea of what does that mean, right? How do you do that, Tyler? What does that look like throughout the week? I would stay really up to date on Oklahoma's Twitter. Get a good vibe. Get a good sense of what's going on. Uh, Go to Oklahoma. uh, I don't know what their official website is, whether it's OUSooners.com or OUFootball.com. Find their website. They generally have interviews. They'll go in the locker room. You can see what players are saying, what coaches are saying. Do a deep dive on Oklahoma football this week and use your own psychology, right? right? Become a sociologist yourself and say, are they motivated? Or are they not? If the answer is yes, take Oklahoma. If not, I'm really scared of this game. Okay, no play for you. Uh, Should I just said that no play pass. I, no, <laughs> that, no, that, no, that no you're good. I, I like all the input. Honestly, I think okay. that, I think that's helpful to people listening. However, if they want to win, they should just go with what I say, as always. <laughs> and uh, I like OU here. Um, it's it's funny how we forget <laughs> what happens the first half the season. <laughs> I'm hoping my bet board. I hope I can get to, to two and four with the, that bet board game last week. So. Uh, what do we right. got next, Will? Last but not least, Kansas State going on the road to Texas. Texas, six-and-a-half-point favorites. I wonder, has this line moved? It was six-and-a-half last night. I'm wondering if it's moved at all. Maybe you can check I for will double-check that for you. Uh, Kansas State, they are six-and-two, three-and-two in conference. Uh, they just beat Oklahoma a couple weeks ago. They're one of the more underrated teams in the country. Seven. Seven. Okay, there you go. I like it even more then. I think they're one of the more underrated teams in the country. Chris, Chris Kleiman, the new head coach there, he's done such a great job in transitioning from the legendary coach Bill Snyder. Now he's got this young coach who won a bunch of championships in the second division in college football, the FCS, at uh, North Dakota State. He's done a great job. He's got a good quarterback in Skylar Thompson. He's a dual-threat guy. He can score through the air. He can score running. 
And it shows. I, I really think that they're a solid team. They're scoring 33 points per game. That's top 40 in the country. And their defense, their defense is so underrated. They're only giving up 20 points per game on average. That ranks 26 in scoring. Then you look at Texas. They're 5-3. and three. Their season is over with. They had high hopes. They're 3-2 and two in conference. They lost, uh, they lost to, obviously, LSU early on. And then they got beat by... Uh, uh, oh, oh shoot! No, I know this, Tyler. Um, they lost to uh, they TCU. almost lost to Kansas. Yes, and they lost to TCU. Thank you. Uh, their their hopes at the Big Twelve is probably out the window. Obviously, they were hoping to even be a playoff team. That's gone, and they've just been giving up a ton of points. You look at uh, at their stats; they rank 97th in the country in opposing points per game. They're giving up 31 and a half points per game. Everybody's scoring on them. TCU scored on them. Kansas put up 48 for them, for God's sakes, a couple weeks ago. I don't like Texas here. I think that they – I'm afraid that Tom Herman has lost the locker room. Maybe he should be kissing his players again. I don't know how that works at Texas <laughs> compared to Houston. I This is all about fading Texas. And as much as I like rooting for the Longhorns to be good again, I like rooting for Tom Herman. I love uh, Sam Ellinger. This is more about – Kansas State just frankly has been the better team all year long. Statistically, they're, they're the better team. Their record shows they're the better team. Uh, their competition shows the better team. I don't think, uh, you know, Texas lost to Oklahoma. Kansas State beat them. That, you know, that's a common opponent you can look at. And so if you're going to give me Kansas State seven points on the road at Texas, where Texas hasn't been very good at home, they, both their, uh, they've had two losses at home, they, and they almost lost to Kansas at home. This is all about fading Texas. And you look at a Kansas State, Kansas State team that is playing their best right now. They're highly motivated. Chris Kleiman is doing a great job there. They have high hopes. They want to get to a, a good bowl game. A good bowl game is a disappointment for Texas. So I'm all over Kansas State here. Give me Kansas State plus seven on the road. Best bet. Yeah, same kind of thing here. I mean, look, you talk about a motivational letdown. Texas, Everything that Texas was planning on accomplishing is now not only uh, a distant memory, but it's not even accomplishable anymore, right? They can't even get to the... They're, they're going to make an average bowl game. They had plans of winning the Big 12. and the, No, that's gone. No New Year's Six Bowl. No Final Four. Their dreams have been completely crushed. And on Kansas' side, or Kansas State side, this is a handicap that I've had a couple times this year where I go, okay, let's cover the logos up and look at the stats and play the Team A, Team B. And Kansas dominates Texas in essentially every... Kansas State, yeah. I keep saying Kansas. Yeah. Kansas State dominates Texas in essentially every category except for passing yards, which they've proven they don't need to just throw the ball up and down to win. They've got a great dual-threat quarterback, as Will mentioned. They're running the ball for 199 a game, let's call it 200, holding the ball for almost 35 minutes a game. Well, well if time of possession is in your favor... Almost 35, 36 minutes a game. That's a huge advantage. Kansas State holds the ball. I think they go on the road, maybe even beat Texas. I don't think this line is priced correctly at all. I see some value here for yeah. the Kansas State Wildcats. Um, yeah, give me Kansas State on the road. I don't care. I think this all kind of comes down, and you wrap this up, to motivation. Texas is done. Not, not a whole lot to play for this year. And Kansas State is just rolling. Kansas State wasn't talking about doing much before the season started. Right Now they have a chance to... Keep this winning going, make a very good bowl game, and I think that they have a chance to go upset Texas on the road. The line is moving towards Texas, though. It opened up at five, I have right. here. Yeah. And, and and early money coming in on Texas. A little so. scary, maybe. Maybe it's just because yeah. Tom Herman traditionally very good as an underdog. I wish I didn't hit my Hermie quota in three minutes earlier, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I did. I know I, I <laughs> exercised my you, rights. You are you're out of that <laughs> of that quote, Tyler, unfortunately. <laughs> it's about thirty For seconds. For the sake I used of our listeners. Up. Yeah, no kidding. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> um, yeah. 
But no, we're both on Kansas State here. I think we both agree. Texas, you know, they're trending down. Kansas State trending up big time. Well, well, I'm not going to say it in the voice, but let's just put it this way. If Tom Herman does lose this game, he may want to get into dentistry school. He may not have a job if he loses this game. Who knows? All right, well, that's all we got for this week's show. Thank, thank you once again for listening. Make sure you guys, whatever you're listening on, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, make sure you go and give us a review, rate and review, subscribe. That really helps the show. Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter, too, at CFB Weekly. We tweet out every weekend. Let us know what you thought of my movie review. Yeah, really. Give us opinions on that. Make sure you uh, really take Tower down on that one. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next week.